intros are like getting really interesting, Katie. Eh, like I'd like to get better at it. Like I always leave it to like the actual last minute and like within two seconds of me starting, I have this sudden urge to like go stalk people I went to primary school with on like Instagram and stuff. <laughs> nice. <laughs> right? They say that you like procrastinate about stuff that like you really care about doing. Like that's the reason why you do it. Like you don't actually want to do the thing because it might not turn out the way it is in like your head. It's like a way of preparing yourself or something. So Katie's a wimp. That's that's what you're saying right there. I mean, it's not not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, I suppose at least that started out supportive. I suppose that's something. Oh, okay. Like, All right, princess. <laughs> like, are, are you narky now about having to come back to college for like your weeks on or whatever? Oh, yeah. Like the prospect of like leaving my mother behind with her incessant interruptions. Yeah, it's tearing me up inside. Like... Like, what kind of disturbed person wants, like, a boiled egg at half three in the afternoon? Like, who does she think I am? Aw, poor Princess Kay. It must be so hard having someone bring, like, afternoon snacks up to you, like, without even trying to rob money out your till or, like, sneeze in your face or nothing. Oh, no. Oh, no. Is work still that bad, Chloe? Well, like, it's better since they put, like, the plastic between me and the customers, but, like... Like, the amount of human saliva I find on that thing when I'm cleaning it. Like, and we have to clean it all the time with the guidelines. Like, how is, like, there that much? Like, like there was no plastic between my face and customers before COVID. You know, that's, there was nothing to keep all that saliva off my face. This is a concern. You, uh, you must be more absorbent than, than we originally thought, oh. Chloe. Like, why would you say that? Why would you say that to me? Why? That is so upsetting. Oh, my God. <laughs> upsetting. Is it more upsetting than uh, macaroni in a pot? Chloe? C- can we just talk for a second about how Sersha was the only one out of all of us that knew what that meant? Yeah, that... I want to know more about that, actually, as well. Do I want to know what it is we're, we're talking about? What, what, what are... What are we talking about? That line from WAP, you know? Yeah, like macaroni, like macaroni in a pot. Is that not just is that not just a thing that rhymes with "Give me everything you got"? Is that not what we're talking about right now? Well, like I mean, yeah, but but then it just it, it wouldn't be a punchline if that's all it was. Like I'm I'm pretty sure that the whole idea is that it's about the the sound that stirring macaroni and cheese in a pot makes. But like, what would? Oh no. Oh, see? See? This oh, is what I'm search. talking about, man. Oh, exactly. Nice. Nice. I, I am horrified at you, Saoirse Flannery. I am horrified. Chloe, you have spent all week talking at length about John Jungkook's nipples. You could see straight through his shorts, Saoirse. What was I supposed to do? How am I supposed to deal with this overwhelming, like, horniness? Appreciation. And horniness, yeah, okay. Dude, objectification, man. And how is a text at five in the morning going, when did Hobie get this hot? I mean, that's objectification, Katie, last time I checked. Hobie? You you called J-Hope Hobie? Oh, my God. So uh, (laughs) that Min Yoongi gentleman has competition? No, Katie, is that that what I'm hearing? No, like, no one has competition, okay? I just just noticed that J-Hope, like, he appears to have been working out. That's but all. like in fairness though, Katie, like so has sugar, like to be fair. But but like what about this this youngy person? Is he is he off the scene now? What's what's happening there? Well like Suga is Yoongi, like Suga is, is his stage name. Min Min Yoongi is his is his real name in, in real life. Uh, 
I, I don't know why I didn't pick up on that sooner. It's so obvious now. I feel stupid. As you should, Kleena. As you should. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sarah, this is usually where you would explain why Chloe is talking about BTS again. If you're all right. Yeah, no, sorry, sorry. Um, no, I'm just distracted kind of assignments and whatever no you know what it doesn't matter um yes um to be honest I, I don't know that we we do need to explain Chloe talking about BTS that much anymore but um yeah they uh, they were on the Jimmy Fallon show uh, in the states um every day last week and um there were some performances um w- we thought that we might have to call an ambulance for Chloe at one point like I thought the whole like no sure under his idol outfit was gonna be enough. Like, oh yeah, with the man bun. I know, but de- but then they do home and he's like there doing pull ups on the presses in the kitchen. Like, oh, that's right. I totally forgot how much I love that song. Crazy for myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, but, no. But then, then, then they do Black Swan and like J.K. Opa tries to murder me with his actual see-through short nipples, nipples on display. I just can't. I can't handle my life right now. I suppose now we know how all those poor men felt when Lil' Kim debuted. Excellent Lil' Kim reference. Did you like that? I like, really, really did. Like, <laughs> but like, seriously though, like, I don't know why we're not talking about this more. Like, the Black Swan set was like, exactly like the church from Sector 6 in Final Fantasy 7. Really? Seriously, dude. Like, flowers growing all over the place, like a rose window, just like in the game. Was there a rose window in the game? I feel like that might have been the final gunfight in Cowboy Bebop, maybe? Oh, like, I don't know. I need to watch Cowboy Bebop again. Yeah, me too. Still, though. I know, right? Like, I, I sort of feel like they missed a trick, though. I mean, they could have done the Roots Dynamite instead of their Dynamite, you know? They did. They did Dynamite with the Roots at the beginning. They did that whole beatboxing thing. It was good. It's amazing, actually. No, 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 no. The Roots have a song called Dynamite. On Things Fall Apart. They're hugely successful fourth album has maybe the most romantic hip-hop song ever written on it okay oh okay you all have to listen to you got me at least twice tonight and if you all don't know what i mean by touch this illa fifth dynamite by the next time we talk i i i really don't know if i can be in this friend group anymore okay but like how much of this has to do with you having a major chance for your man black tart though like for real be real with us right now you leave that delightful mr thought out of this again with the daddy issues search i mean man i do not have daddy issues he's just very handsome is all Sersha likes old blokes Sersha <laughs> likes old blokes Sersha likes old blokes are you happy now pretty happy like yeah like not ecstatic or anything we're like, like, do you guys think that dynamite, like BTS's dynamite, is like a statement about racism though? Why? Why do you have to like ruin everything for me? Like, (laughs) no, like think about it, man. Like they release all this like super lyrically dense music for ages, yeah? Like all in Korean, like pretty much culminating with Black Swan, which is like so dark and dense, it actually hurts. Okay. And like it doesn't chart, like not meaningfully. It gets to like what, like 57 or something on the like Billboard Hot 100. Like, and that's despite all the streaming that ARMY did, yeah? Yeah. Right? And like now they release a song all in English. The first time that's happened, like, and not only does it not have like lyrical depth at all, but like 
It genuinely doesn't make sense. It don't have to make sense, Katie. It's about going out dancing. like. No, but like, that's the thing. Even their party songs from before are like super deep. Like, Go Go is about consumerism. DNA is about like actual human destiny. Boy With Love is about gratitude. And like, this song is a mishmash of 70s album titles, man. Come on. I am losing my patience with you here, Katie. This is not like the Katie says that Dynamite is shit song hour, okay? Song hour, that don't make no sense. No, it really doesn't. Katie made me so mad that I forgot how to speak English. No, you're missing the point. Dynamite is awesome. But like, but this is the song that gets to number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Like, not any other ones, right? Like, I, I'm failing to understand what you're talking about here. Like, it's a deadly song. That's why it's number one. No, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's good enough to get to number one. Yeah, definitely. But, like, so are all their other songs. The only difference with this one is that it's all in English. They're good enough to get to number one. No hassle. This proves it. The only thing that was keeping it from happening before was... Like the music being in a different language, man. And that's what was stopping it. That's what's stopping number one on the Hot 100. That's what's stopping them getting a Grammy nomination. You know, it's just it's the fact that we're all too spoiled to listen to a song in a different language and go and read the translation because we, like, give a shit. Like, it's insane. Could you imagine if they'd appreciated a dance track with, like, Korean Pansori hooks in it? I don't know if I'm saying that right. But, like, that is an incredible song. It's an inc- And, like, it's just so short-sighted, man, that people aren't willing to, like, engage with that stuff. Idol. Like, I, I do appreciate the point, yeah. Like, but, but Idol also has, you know, the killer lyric, running man, running man, running man, bra. Like, I mean, the point is, like, it's not so much the lyrical aspect of, of that song. I think the point of that song is that it has stadiums full of us screaming, you can't stop me loving myself, you know? And that's a big deal. And Dynamite is kind of the same. It's just a way for us all to appreciate each other within the fandom and outside the fandom and, you know, party together and 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 love ourselves publicly. Not in that way, Chloe. Okay. But, like, I can still, like, double tap crotch zoom on them and them jeans, yeah? Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's talk about the book. I think that would be wise. I mean, I'm still going to look at that Final Fantasy performance. I'm I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'll send you the link, man. But like, what happens if you're attracted to J.K. Opado, Clay? Like, because I saw him first, like. <sighs> saw the book, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got we've got our second book in our series on writers of colour. Um, this week we're talking about The Trouble with Rose by Amita Murray. Um, sure, we'll share a bit about Amita. Um, Chloe, you want to put that trap of yours to good use for a sec? <gasps> what? Sorry. It's uh, n- n- that that's that's just a thing. It's a line that that kind of comes up every so often in, in fanfics and stuff, but it's about. It's about something else. <laughs> oh, flattery. Do, do I want to know? Just know that like Fifty Shades has like so much to answer for, man. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Chloe? What? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Amita Mori is a writer based in London. Her first novel, The Trouble with Rose, came out with HarperCollins in 2019, with the German edition coming out with Random House, Plan Valet, I don't know how you say that, in 2021. Um, having lived in and around Delhi, London and California, Amita likes to write funny things about cultural encounters and relationships. She thinks of herself as a bit of a nomad um, through a previous no though I can't read no more though a previous tutor also aptly suggested the label cultural abyss use it in a sentence I mean uh, you're a cultural abyss that sounds a bit mean I don't know that I'm okay with that 
Anyway, um, in 2016, she was shocked when her short story collection won the SI Lids Literary Prize at a magical award ceremony at the Ilkley Literature Festival. Actually, it was so magical, she'll be talking about this prize for years. Just wait and see, and don't say you weren't warned, okay? The collection was apparently written under a Labour Hume Writer in Residence grant at the University College London in 2015. And stories appear in WhatsApp theory, okay? Sand Berlin, the Berkeley Fiction Review and others. She's held writerly residencies with the Labour Hume University College London and Plymouth University Literature Works. Slashes make things hard to read. She has taught advanced fiction at the University of East Anglia and City Lit London. And she really likes post-its. So. Oh my God, I have never felt so seen. <laughs> um, actually, yeah, for, for those of you that don't follow us on social media, um, please do. Um, you can find us at Twitter at, at chicklet 4 life one um, on Instagram at, at LifeChicklet4. It was the only username that was a little bit like our thing. Um, or on Facebook at chicklet 4 life But uh, yeah, at the weekend, Sersh was sharing on um, our, our accounts um, her copious notes um, on the book that, that she'd been taking I personally was disappointed I thought there'd be more colours no, no no like seriously I really do need to get more colours of post-its <laughs> <laughs> no 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 like clean is right there's definitely a better way to organise it I'm just I'm going to have to do some brainstorming on a new system you're going to use post-its for that brainstorming aren't you you know I am <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, last week we uh, we read and um, yeah, in in the process, some of us also killed a small forest, a grove, if you will. Oh no, I didn't. That's so mean. <laughs> Reading Ms. Murray's debut novel, The Trouble with Rose. Um, so do you know what? Let's let's get a bit of context here. Um, will Will I do this one? Yeah, it's only short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, alrighty. Um, the Kumars have a wedding to plan. Finally, except that before Rila can go down the aisle, she must go back to the days of big family parties, slippery memories and those times when she knew what happy looked like. She has to find out what happened to her sister, Rose. See, told you it was short. (laughs) (laughs) So, do you know what? I'm kind of excited to get into the excerpt for this one. Oh my God, same. I cannot handle how much I love this book. It was a very satisfying book to read. Like the writing, man. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like there was so much detail in like the first few chapters. So like we knew exactly like who everyone was without like being told outright kind of yeah like exactly like her dad's hair is like yet yeah, ruthlessly combed and like her aunt Pinky comes into her house with like a tea tray and like Jarna texting before the family like descend on Rilla like the day after the wedding like it's all it's all genius man like you know exactly sort of like not only who everyone pretty much is straight away but like what they are to each other as well oh my like, god yeah and like even the symbolism pieces throughout the book teaching a cat that like can't walk straight to walk in parabolas you know like the people that love the cat are willing to do that and that just means so much okay like, we are getting way ahead of ourselves right now let's uh let's read now excerpt first of all yeah yeah that makes yeah. sense actually search after all that note taking i think you definitely have to be the one that does this one fam yeah you earned it i can't tell if you guys are making fun of me or not probably best not to think about it yeah agreed <laughs> <laughs> um okay 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 In the natural course of things, by the afternoon of her wedding, a bride is thinking ahead to all the things life will have in store for her. Love, joy, romance, silly little spats with her soulmate that will be sorted out, hopefully, in bed, nibbling on toes. And the endless harmony 
the never-ending fun and the countless hours she will spend doing nothing much at all in the arms of the love of her life. She imagines that from now on things will be perfect. She will be happy and gone forever will be anxiety, irritability, chin hair and a generalised tendency towards narkiness. In short, she will become a better, more grown-up version of herself. She knows that all of this wonderfulness will start with an enormous slice of cake followed by a steamy night in bed, hopefully in a remote tropical island where none of her extended family will be able to call her, text her, tweet her or otherwise be able to find her. In the normal course of things, on the afternoon of her wedding, a bride is not behind the bars of a local prison waiting for her lawyer to bail her out or for her extended family to tell her all the things that have gone wrong in her life. I'm not saying that this has never happened in the history of weddings. I'm just saying that it is rare. Before I tell you about my wedding day, I should make a note here. Actually, it's more of a disclaimer about my enormous extended family mentioned above. Is the story about them, you ask? Well, no. Are they always there? Do they always have an opinion about everything? And can't you just ignore them? Well, yes, yes, and no. I have so many cousins, aunties and uncles that live in London that I have to look at every Indian man or woman passing by just to make sure they aren't one of them. The thing with my relatives is that they tend to feel insulted pretty easily. You should know this before I go on with my story. They keep score of who gives them regular updates about their life and grovels for advice, who invites them to what and who sends them a box of champagne truffles for Diwali and not just a regular Indian sweet box with plain ladu in it. They also like to write notes. Dear Rila, I hope you enjoyed the 150-piece Nutribullet I sent you. It is a superior brand to the plain three-piece blender set sent by Aunt Perule. Thank you for the champagne truffles. I don't drink, as you know, so I have given them to my cleaner. I know you are too busy to visit us. Have you gotten a job yet? But I thought that I would remind you that our home is your home. Don't forget your family. Best wishes, yours truly, etc. All in all, it is better to turn and stare at every Indian person walking by just to make sure it isn't one of the GIF, Great Indian Family, in case you accidentally ignore them. Or, in my case, so that you can make a quick getaway. Of course, since every other person you see in London looks more or less Indian, this can make you see monsters lurking around every corner and turn you into a neurotic mess. My GIF forms the backdrop of just about everything. They are the wallpaper and the furniture, the Muzak, the Thames, London traffic, pollution and global warming rolled into one. They are always there and generally in the way. And no matter how much you think you can deal with them, the truth is, you can't. Let's go back now to the matter at hand, the story of the bride who got arrested on her wedding day. I'll tell you the story the way it happened, or at least I'll tell it to you almost the way it happened, which is nearly as good. So myself and Sarah had timed the the full excerpt that we wanted to do. Um, so and it was way too long. We wouldn't have been able to upload everything. Um, so what we're going to do is leave out um, a bit of a scene here where um, Rilla kind of tells us what's what's happening at the, at the wedding and and how she manages to get herself arrested. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna flash forward ooh, to the um, to to the police station. At the police station, things happen quickly. Since what I have stolen costs less than £200, I am told that I'll be turned away with a police caution. Though, if I accept these terms, this will count as a conviction and I will have a criminal record. It's true I've been arrested before, but since I was underage at the time, I didn't get a criminal record. When the officer interrogating me suggests the caution, I say, 
I'll take this under advisement. I've been waiting all my life to say these words. <laughs> I confer with my lawyer and I take the caution and the criminal record that comes with it. When we come out, my lawyer, organised by my nearly father-in-law, a middle-aged woman called Gudrun, who is built like a Rottweiler, tells me to get a grip on my life. Grow up. Get therapy. Next time you'll be fined or do time and it'll be really difficult to get a job. Kosher? Several members of my family are standing about outside the police station waiting to pick me up. Simon is pacing up and down, ignoring everyone. The moment he sees me, he rushes up to me and engulfs me in a hug. He holds me tight and I stand rigid, not feeling like I can touch him right now, though I can feel the thudding of his heart. He pulls back, finally, and searches my eyes. We can still do this. They didn't want to give us another slot, but they did in the end. Let's, let's do it now, okay? He's still looking at me like I'm the most important person in the world. He has taken his jacket and tie off and he probably has no idea where they are. I love this about him. I love that he doesn't care where half his clothes are. Simon, I whisper. I shoplifted. Don't you see? That's not normal. You're under a lot of stress. The wedding and the warning about not completing your MA. It happened. It happens to a lot of people. He looks firm. If you just put one foot in front of the other, it'll be over soon. Then we can deal with the rest of it. Don't you see? My voice cracks. I can't do this. I'm not ready. You want to postpone the wedding? Okay. Okay. Look, we can do that. We'll do whatever you want, whatever you need. He is scanning my face, trying to sound reassuring, though I can see none of this is making sense to him. None of it is really sinking in. I look at him wordlessly. How can I explain it to him? How can I find words for something that I can't fully understand myself? I mutely shake my head. The thing is, Simon, I blurt out finally, I I can't go through with it. None of this is working. I told you, says my mother, tears pouring down her cheeks. Somehow, I escape everyone. I think it's because I scream, leave me alone, and disappear down into the underground before anyone can stop me. I enter a train at random, staring down anyone who dares to look at me, standing there holding on for dear life, still in my silver wedding dress. After a few random stations have whizzed by, I get off. I run out of the tube station and I end up on a park bench, bent double, face in hands, taking gasping breaths. I say escaped everyone, but I didn't because Rose is still here with me. I sit up. I've made such a mess of it. I always make a mess of it, Rose. Why can't I get one thing right? The tears that have been threatening all morning now start to pour down my face. She takes my hand. She sits quietly, just holding my hand. Sometimes I think it's uncanny how she just knows what I need her to do. When you've grown up with someone, maybe you get so used to each other that you know what every movement means. Every gesture comes with its code, every mood, every slump of the shoulders, every turning away. My sister knows the code. She can sense it before I can. The fit of crying passes after a while and I sit there, my nose red, sniffles catching in my throat. I guess you knew I was going to break up with him, I say now. I don't look at her. I don't need to. I know the look on her face. She doesn't respond. I stare blankly around me where life seems to be carrying on as normal. A swan sits regally on the edge of a duck pond, its mate doing laps in the water. A chunky peanut butter Kit Kat wrapper sits next to an overfilled bin that is starting to smell of dead rat in the sunshine. 
The bench I'm sitting on has been dedicated to Lady Cornelia North, who donated it to the council in 1986. Red buses line the park. Parents with dark sun circles under their eyes determinedly push buggies. A jogger talks to herself as she fast walks past. I shut my eyes tight. I guess I knew, Rose says. I'm hopeless. I place my face in my hands again. I wreck everything. Why this, though, Rilla? I thought Simon was the one. I jerk my head. He barely knows me. He thinks I'm perfect. I'm the opposite of perfect. You know, it wouldn't have worked. How? How could it have worked? What if I make you the most beautiful garland in the world, Princess Multan? My fool, my queen of roses, princess of hearts. Rose's voice becomes rounder, louder, like she's talking in a theatre, her voice ricocheting off moonbeams. I speak through my tears. Then perhaps I will marry you, Rup. Is that really your name? Rose gently blots away my tears. Then she bows ironically. Of course, my princess. It is I, Rup Singh. I was a prince once. A sorceress turned me into a commoner. I wait for the love of a true princess to change me back into the real me. Rose switches back to her normal voice. She speaks as if seeing this scene in her mind's eye from a long time ago. And now you sit on the balcony waiting for the garland. You comb your beautiful black hair. Roses bloom in your cheeks. Your delicate hands cradle your heart. Your voice, like a nightingale's, sings to your lover. To me. My lover with swarthy brown cheeks and coarse hands, I say. But I love you anyway. And you come back with the most beautiful garland in the world, made of roses and marigolds, jasmine and hothouse zinnias. And in the centre, forming the heart pendant, a moth orchid, the most precious flower in the world for the most beautiful princess. You scurry up the trellis outside my window like a monkey. You give me the garland, I give you a kiss and promise to marry you. And I turn into a girl, Rose says. We both laugh. My laugh has a catch in it, but it's a laugh nonetheless. I turn into a little brown nut of a girl, my sister says. Ugly and scrawny, shifty and sly. Because the witch that transformed me did not so from a prince, but a princess. And now I am back not to Rup, but Rupa Singh. Oh well, I say softly, looking at her face now shimmering in front of my eyes. I promise to marry you, so I will. You will take me for your partner, Rose says, even though I am a woman. No one is perfect, I say. We laugh. Laugh at this script that we know better than anything we've ever said because we've rehearsed it a thousand times, performed it a hundred, when I was seven and Rose was nine. Rose, I whisper. Rose. We sit together, neither saying a word. I'm scared to break the silence, scared that this moment will disappear. I don't think I know how, I finally say. The words well up. Don't you see? I don't know how to make it work. I don't know how to be with someone I have never known. I look desperately in front of me, searching for something that isn't there. Rose doesn't say anything. That is where I have to go back, isn't it? I say softly. I have to go back to that Princess Multan and Rup Singh. To those living rooms in Tooting and Wembley and Harrow and Hampstead. That's where I have to go. Rose doesn't answer. She doesn't need to. She knows as well as I that to make love work, you have to go back to where you learn to love. Spot the difference. 
hold up two illustrations and spot the differences between them. So I told you a story, the story of my wedding day. As I told you, it was almost the story of my wedding day. Actually, in all important details, it was the story. But if you hold up the two pictures, one real, one almost real, you'll spot 10 differences. Let's go through the list. One, I told you that the back room in which I was waiting, the one with the yoga mats and chairs, the back room of the main building of Bloomington House and estate in Cambridgeshire was whitewashed. In fact, I think it was eggshell blue. Two, I said that the name of the estate was Bloomington House, but it is in fact Bloomington Manor. Three, Auntie PK, the feminist, was not wearing unrelieved beige. Thinking back, I can see in my mind's eye that she had actually taken the trouble to wear an ox blood scarf. Auntie PK was either trying to make an effort, a bit of colour for the wedding, or making a statement. You are Indian, I can imagine her saying, yet getting married in a silver dress. Shouldn't you be wearing red? What are you? White? Or who knows, she could have been wearing it under threat from whichever auntie had knitted it for her. Four, my mother's hanky was not tucked into her sleeve today. She had pinned it to the green train or palu of her sari for the occasion. She had made an effort, even if she had been certain the the wedding would come to nothing, she would tell me later. Five, there wasn't a slump in my shoulders when I was facing Simon and my family. If I look at the actual picture, the real one, not the almost real one, my shoulders are riding up. It's my defensive look, the one my mother is always quick to point out. It isn't attractive, Rila, and no one will want to marry you. <clears throat> Six. I told you that Auntie Dharma said that Mercury was in my fifth house, but for all I know about this, she could have said that the Savannah bird girl was making sweet love to a humpback whale in the garden. I have no idea what she said, but it was certainly something about a planet in our solar system messing up whichever one of my houses deals with marriage. Seven. When Simon's father said that we should get a lawyer and Simon reminded him that he is a lawyer, Simon's father's stage whispered, I'm not going to be dragged into one of your messes. If you had any sense, you wouldn't be either. Simon's father doesn't hate me. But for him, someone who has been arrested doesn't belong in the Langton family. They besmirched the family name. Well, no, I don't think he cares about the family name. It's more that carelessness, the kind that gets you arrested, the kind that shows a disregard for morality or at least decorum, makes him feel physically ill. It's the way mortgage brokers feel about people with poor experience scores. That's how Simon's father feels about my record. Simon shouldn't have told him that I had been arrested in the past, you say? Well, he didn't. I did. The first time I met him, which was two months ago, which was four months after I met Simon. Your eyebrows are rising now, a bit hasty to be calling the bonds. You say, well, you could just be right and we will come back to this, I promise. Eight. Simon is too nice to remind me that my MA committee has warned me that if I don't make any progress in my thesis, then I'm out. Out, out, out forever. He is too nice and also I haven't told him about that yet. I would have gotten around to it, but I hadn't yet. So he couldn't have reminded me even if he had wanted to. Nine. You've probably already noticed this one. It's quite glaring. I'm sure you spotted it right away. I'm the small brown nut. My sister Rose is the princess. Tall, 
beautiful, fair, her skin bathing in permanent blossoms. So in that little sketch we reenacted on the park bench, of course, Rose is Princess Multan, who weighs as much as a flower, whose every word pans out of her like birdsong, whose beauty is shielded by groves so dense that no one but the most daring prince would get through. Beautiful and kind, soulful and lyrical. That's my sister. I am Rup Singh, her suitor, a walnut. Hoping that my skill in making garlands will help her overlook the fact that I am ugly and that I am a girl. In the play we enacted as children, Rose was the princess, I was the suitor. I changed this around in that scene on the park bench. 10. Rose, of course, wasn't at the wedding at all or on the park bench. The last time I saw her was 17 years ago. Still, that doesn't mean that she isn't the one person in the world who knows me best and that she wouldn't have said and done exactly those things if she had been there. Are you good, man? Yeah, I'm tired. Oh my goodness, that was a lot. But you know what? You're right on time. Let's uh, let's stop here to take a break and uh, we'll be back right after this with more Chicklet for Life. Stay tuned. It's six months into quarantine. You thought this whole travel ban situation would be sorted out by August and you stocked up on maxi dresses and weird cutout swimwear, didn't you? And now? Well, now they're just staring back at you from the unopened boohoo.com bag in your wardrobe, taunting you with their 90% last end perfection. Well, no matter what your mom says, it's not a total waste. Here at quarantcraft.fakesite, we've got everything you need to turn your quarantine depression buys into cute gifts for your loved ones this holiday season. A stylish tote bag made from unworn bikinis, a reindeer sleigh ornament that started out life as a pair of sandals, a pair of gorgeous earrings that used to be a different, slightly less gorgeous pair of earrings. It's all here at quarantcraft.fakesite. Register today for your free Stanley knife, blade sold separately. Quarrencraft. 90% elastane, 100% fun. Do you think it'd be hard to make that stuff? Oh, so like we're, we're agreeing that you shouldn't have bought all those bikinis in August? Like, why do you feel the need to attack me like this? Because you feel the need to buy stupid shit, man. <gasps> okay, do you know what? We don't need to go down this rabbit hole. Let's let's talk about the book. Sersha just broke her ass reading that that excerpt there. Thank you, Sersha. Oh, thank you, Sarah. But yeah, where, where, do, where do we want to start? Just like with how... Deadly it is. Yeah, like, seriously, man. Like, did you just think the whole thing with, like, Raoul's, like, not being there, like, that made it all go, like, real, like, fast? Like, the plot is deadly and all, like, without that, like, you want to get to know, really, because, like, she's deadly and all? No, 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 I totally understand what you mean. Yeah, the mystery aspect with Rose, like, gives so much pace that, like, wouldn't be there otherwise. Like, it's, oh, my God, it's such a good book. Like, should we just take a second to, like fangirl for a sec like it might be the quickest way to move us on alright because like we, we could we could talk about this all day facts so like what should we just pick something and freak out over how awesome it is like yeah I think that that sounds like a plan man. okay 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 I'll go first so yeah so like yeah the fact that like we don't know what happened Rose yeah like and we don't know for like a lot of the book what the story is like that had me like aside from everything else just needing to tear through this book like I needed to like I, like as if she was my sister I needed to know what happened to her like I read it in two days two days on a week where JK Opa's actual torso is fully visible true see true short I just I really think that needs to be taken into account here when we're talking about this like we've already talked about this at length Chloe yeah like, I know but like but like 
oh, is that hot in here? Like, You're in your bedroom on your own, you big, big freak. Uh, I'm in the bathroom under the stairs, actually, Katie. So, L- um, wh- why? Yeah. Why? Okay, right. So, one, I can lock the door so Kylie and Grace can't come in and it'll be talking to you so they can, like, steal my shit. Oh, no, you didn't get your jacket back. I did not get my jacket back, Saoirse. And, like, why would someone, why would someone do that? Like, why would they steal my goddamn jacket? Like, I mean, I'd buy them one. Why'd they have to take mine? No, it's with yourself search like <laughs> Chloe is is there a number two <laughs> <laughs> you're like, actual children it's like babies and boyhood over there um yeah no yeah there is actually um but yeah the router it's in the hall so the wi-fi is actually best in here and it's like it's not that echoey like yeah i was going to say how did you find this out dude like there is we do not want to know about that <laughs> that's a good point but yeah here why don't we let me talk about the book again major tangents here folks what more fangirling should we yeah 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 yeah. i i loved it like like Lena was saying earlier like i do love that there was so much detail from the get-go without anything being like over explained like we have Rila talking about like how before the wedding she was like trying to get organized for moving in with Simon but like had only gotten as far as like pulling stuff out of wardrobes and drawers and just like looking at them but then as soon as things go wrong at the wedding she's overcome with the compulsive need to clean if she can just get that sorted maybe she can get her her head straight you know and that's just it's it's that's not telling us exactly how she feels but it is telling us exactly how she feels and like what her coping mechanism oh I just loved it yeah yeah I thought that was really great too like like there were tiny things like she says at one stage during that first day after the wedding that she's starving because she's been surviving on her flatmates kale chips and tonic water right there's like so much about Rilla's character in just that detail like she's selfish but like not looking after herself she's like affectionate enough to be that close with her flatmate but is also on edge enough to be doing stupid tiny things that could jeopardise the whole friendship like all in that teeny tiny detail like like it was is it wanky to call something sublime like yeah man <laughs> here what about you Kate? like yeah like the same thing i guess but like maybe like not as deep i suppose like yeah like the way people were like characterized and stuff was like really super like it was doing with like this really light touch like kind of yeah the same way that like the stuff the guys were saying but like especially with her family like there is like her cousin texting to say yeah here 20 minutes as like the enormous family are gonna like land on Rilla in like her house like there's this like solidarity there but like at the same time you know that that means the cousin is in the same situation Rilla is with them you know she gets it she knows that 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 advance warning is like the difference between life and death like Jarna is like the actual hotness. Okay, that's oh, I'm glad I wasn't once it. Clee, dude, like seriously, it, like Chloe has been talking about a Korean man's nipples for like the majority of the show so far. It's the linchpin of the episode. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> but yes, <laughs> Clee, you can openly talk about Jarna being super hot because you know, let's face it, like she absolutely is well I mean I am a sucker for an everybody should be a feminist crop top I mean who isn't (laughs) (laughs) the the family dynamic is super interesting though we really do need to talk about GIF being the best capitalised abbreviation since Marion Keyes' good front room oh my god (laughs) you're a good front room 
Our reference to the good front room is from Marion Keyes' Anybody Out There, which we uh, covered in series one. Doesn't that feel like a million years ago? Like it kind of was. That was back when, I mean, you could still hug people. Yeah, do spit shakes. Make blood covenants. (laughs) Nice. Why do you always have to take it too far? Why? I notice none of us said have casual sex. (laughs) 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 Okay, we we are getting sidetracked again, uh, though I do kind of want to get it out there that uh, Marion Keys was the person that recommended this book to us. She is a queen. We love her. But yes, the GIF, the great Indian family. Family. Oh, it's such a great phrase, man. Oh, yeah. And like there was there was a one liner in there about Uncle Jat, I think, that he feels he needs to take care of everyone to make sure that they're living their lives correctly. Right. Like, yeah. Him and, and Pinky being like self-appointed custodians of everything. Like that is the best way to describe. Like I know exactly who she's talking about there. Oh, my God. When Pinky was going on about the jewellery she gave Rila for like the wedding and why wasn't she wearing it? Like that is exactly the same as my Auntie Louise. Oh, is this the dressing gown? That poxy dressing gown, Sarah, I swear to God, it's gone kill me. What, what, what? about this ah you have the dressing gown with I'm a spoiled bitch stitched on the back of it in like sequins that's still going on oh my god I know I told you I gave it to the charity shop didn't I ah Chloe she bought it for you for your birthday like I don't give a shit the bleeding state of it like it took up half the wardrobe it was so big like oh, oh my god you've no idea what I've been suffering with this cleaner what what do you need room in your wardrobe for you know what what all, all those bikinis that you bought last month for absolutely no reason okay I'm all ignore that because, like, first of all, what kind of psychopath would even hang bikinis in a wardrobe in the first place? Uh, What kind of psychopath buys bikinis when we're on lockdown, Chloe? So you gave the dressing gown to the charity shop? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And next of all, the mad bitch goes and buys it. She rings me mouth going, oh, you know, that real expensive dressing gown I got made for Chloe? She got that monstrosity made. Uh, Don't talk to me, Sarah. Do not talk to me I cannot I genuinely cannot but no yeah so like she's after getting one just like it at a steal in the charity shop she says all this to me ma why doesn't she come round and we'll have a fucking sleepover in our matching dressing gowns it'll be a class Instagram story it's not funny Katie <laughs> pretty funny man <laughs> so uh, <laughs> What are you going to do? I genuinely don't know. I'm going to have to make up something. Like, I mean, do I... Do, did it catch fire when I was making a toasted cheese sandwich? <laughs> like, it looks like it was 100% plastic, man. Like, either it'd go up in flames or it'd, like, melt on you. Yeah, like, either way, dude, you're going to have to, like, give yourself, like, second-degree burns to make this believable. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not even messing like I am willing to do that at this stage <laughs> <laughs> no, like, but, like the, it is interesting well not not, not Chloe. well Chloe's situation is interesting but not in the context of this book just in the context of what the human soul can withstand yeah, like, it's so <laughs> sad like, I don't know what yeah. to do like we came across this idea kind of like yeah we came across an idea last week talking about the tainted where like it just seems like there's a lot of similarities between Indian sensibilities and Irish ones and that kind of came up particularly with like 
how recognisable a lot of personalities in the GIF were to me anyway yeah like genuinely they were all familiar like I have all of those relatives like especially the aunt that's all over every bloke in the room like a bad rash yeah the only difference is my one's married so but like the thing about realist experience is I think anyway is that the family is such an like organism in its own right that like Rilla is completely lost in it. Like they expect her to slot into her place in the machine, but like she needs to exist on her own. And they, it's not even that they won't allow it. It's they, they can't understand, not even they can't understand it. They, they genuinely can't see her. It doesn't compute. She is not a person in her own right. Yeah, there's that part where they're like all talking over her about how they're going to fix the whole like wedding situation and get her and Simon married as soon as possible. And she's like there in the middle of them all going like, why don't you see my life has gone completely wrong? Why can't you see me? Like none of them are even like looking at her. They're all just completely wrapped up in their own plans, kind of for themselves. Yeah, yeah, that was that was done. That was done pretty well. All right. Yeah, yeah. The family, especially her mom, they're all kind of in their own stuff, like all the time. Oh man, like when her mom calls her after the wedding and is all, "Oh, here you always do this. You always push people away." I told you, like that was hard. Yeah, that kind of you'll show Simon what you're really like. That you're thoughtless. You're selfish. Shit, man. Do you think, though, that, like, Rilla's mom was, like, talking about herself then and not Rilla? Yeah, I thought that. I don't know. I kind of thought it was more like a reaction to, like, strain. Like, she was just, like, on the edge all the time and she was, like, genuinely petrified of being judged by other people and that's what kind of brought her to, to act like that towards Rilla. You're right. Yeah, that kind of what will others think of us thing. That was that was really big for her, for for Rilla's mom. Yeah, yeah, especially Simon's family. She was really yeah caught up in like what they thought all the time and that they had to not impress them but like show how they deserved to like be in their company or something like blatant poshos like why would they even want to be in their company in the first place what what was all that oh it's my one extravagance I have this lovely Persian dealer he tells me like wonderful tales about the Orient it's not called the Orient no more bitch <laughs> preach club <laughs> no like for real though like the racism stuff was doing really well like it did feel like it was part of the story like like um do you, do you have stuff underlined, Kay? Um, no. <laughs> Here, just read it. Get it out of your system. Go on. Really? <laughs> Go for the Katie. Live your best life. Oh, deadly. Anyway, <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, there's this one bit where Rilla's like explaining that the GIF only have good things to say about Simon because like white people aren't held to like the same standard as people with more melanin in their skin. I just I just kind of like that line. I just thought it was pretty cool. And then there's a lady that she and Simon meet on the tube during a flashback to like before the wedding. And like the lady's all, oh, isn't it a wonderful thing to see like us embracing other cultures and stuff like to Simon. And like, will you raise your children like Christian or and then she just nods at Rilla like she's like miscellaneous or something. Okay, reel it back there, little spark. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah, no no no. Like there's there's just like tiny things that like Simon's mom says, like, oh, all Indian girls know how to cook. Like like she means it like it's a compliment, but like 
it's not like and then oh man oh i totally forgot about this there's like you've got rilla talking rilla oh man why am i so white yeah she's talking about being like bullied in school this is serious like being bullied in school and like but she's friends with her bully and like stays friends with her and everything like she doesn't tell anyone about it or anything because like telling someone wouldn't mean it got to her like she has to withstand she feels she has to withstand racial slurs and being victimized and stuff by this horrible person just because she feels she can't show weakness in the face of that stuff like that is mental man what like You've never tried to be like a noble suffering martyr type. Like, what does that even mean, man? No, like, like when you're kids or whatever, yeah, and like you're at home with your siblings or whatever, and you're tearing strips off each other, yeah, and like you want to be the bigger person, so you like take the beating because if you like let it get to you, you cry or you tell on them or whatever, then they kind of win. Sir, that doesn't sound right. No, 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 no. Like, it's not like, not like a beating. Like, but like, say, say back when I was in like fifth year. Yeah. So like mom and dad were on days in the hospital and stuff. And it was the summer holidays. So like there was this load of washing one day, for example, that had to be taken out and the grass had to be cut. So like I got down to doing that. Um, and I can't remember why Derek was pissed off at me. Like maybe, maybe he was just hung over. Um, But anyway, he came out behind me when I was going to hang up the washing and he gave me the most almighty kick up the arse, like possibly ever. Like it it was so sore, but I'm there and I'm all like, no, 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 I'm not going to let it get to me. That's what he wants. Like I I could actually feel my arse go up like in the air and then back down again. It was so sore. But I know like that's what he wants. I'm not going to, he's not going to see me, you know, yeah (laughs) and he's not gonna see me weak so like I hobble over to the washing line and like start hanging clothes up and like I can't feel my arse he's hit me that hard but like yeah and then he like goes inside and starts playing overwatch or whatever I cut the grass it's all over you've never had anything like that happen to you Sarah, do you want me to ring Childline for you? I will do that. I'll ring Childline for you right Why now. Why do you keep offering to ring Childline for people, man? It's so weird. It is not weird. If Rilla had had someone to call Childline for her, maybe she wouldn't be out there going back straight to work the day after, like her wedding goes to shit, <gasps> sabotaging herself right out the gate, okay? <sighs> I just felt so bad for her. She's like, and she was so hard on herself. Like even the tiniest actions towards herself were like super violent. She like, she stabs at her face with her hand when she does something, you know, cruel without thinking. She she tries to push a cushion into her eyes when she's feeling bad about treating people poorly. It's like, it's so violent. Yeah, yeah. And then getting herself out to work straight away after the wedding where people are like, of course they're going to be like queuing up to ask her questions. Like, Shit, I mean, talk about putting yourself out there to get, like, torn up. Well, I thought was interesting was that, like, everyone in work, in her work, I thought, like, they had made their minds up about Rila too, just like the GIF had, but, like, they'd come to a different conclusion, like, where the GIF were all, okay, Rila, she can't sort this stuff out for herself. She's a disaster. Let's sort it out for her. Her colleagues are all sort of like, okay, yeah, Rilla's a disaster. Let's see how she gets herself out of this one without offering her any useful, non-judgmental support at all. Are you bringing the popcorn? But like I didn't I kind of didn't get that Like she shouldn't have Put herself in that position Like everybody loves A train wreck Why would you do that To yourself Of course they were Going to react that way But like I kind of 
Yeah, like the, the whole point is Rilla doesn't know why she does the things she does. Like she's just she's moving too fast, trying to get away from like the pain she's in, I suppose. Like like so much of what happens in that book or like not even happens, but like that we're told about, like especially in, in Rilla's past, like it's all so sad and like and not in a in a whingy way even it's just and not even in a really visceral kind of oh it hurts so much kind of way but just in a real like way that real life things are sad you know that way that creeps up on you and you just find yourself not able to get out of bed suddenly but like like she has such a hard time making sense of it you know because her family don't talk about it it sort of makes sense I think that she'd kind of put herself in crazy situations even just to be seen to feel something like if you were moving that fast and in that much pain you'd be a bit numb wouldn't you you know and if the family didn't see that she was unraveling so why not go to work where there are other people there that know you and they did see her, but they sort of saw a Netflix series version of her where they get to sit back and watch and enjoy while like doing their nails or something. They didn't see her as like the person she is and and going through what, what she's going through. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there were there were so many points in, in the book when I just wrote out the note. Oh, it's so sad. Like I wrote that note like five or six times more. On a post-it. On my Kindle. And then later on a post-it. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I agree with you. Like, there's, yeah, there is, there's so much loss in the book. Like, there's obviously the love story with Simon and and the loss, like, she feels after she runs out of the wedding. But, like, it's the loss of Rose and what that meant for her from then on. It's, it's like this, like, ache through like the bones of the book oh my god that is the perfect way to put it like there's there's this line where Rilla says that like she can remember a time when she was truly happy like she can remember the feeling in her body so she must have felt it she knows it must have been real at one point and like the idea that she's doing her MA on love like not any aspect of love just just love like that maybe she can find some like unifying principle that's at the root of everything and like with that she can figure out why she's so unhappy and like kind of try and fix it like just that kind of like problem solving approach to being like happy and comfortable in yourself there's something that's so like real but like just so sad that you'd have to like be like MacGyver to like orchestrate your own happiness oh my god yeah yeah and then like she's trying to like cut off parts of her kind of like there's there's a line isn't there these are unnecessary memories I don't need them and I don't want them and like and those parts that she wants to get rid of the parts that are like hurting her are the parts about Rose but they just keep coming up like I don't really cry reading books like not like really crying you know but like when 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 she starts talking to Simon about Rose and what it was like to lose her, like, like I lost my shit, like on my own reading a book. Yeah, yeah. And there's like the contrast there, like between that and when she's talking about happy memories with her mom and 
her sister like where she can remember telling jokes and having the two of them in stitches like she she was kind of she was there to help everybody feel comfortable by acting the agent and stuff you know and that was really special and that made the loss of Rose and the loss of her mom kind of you know because she does have memories of getting along with her mom yeah it just made that whole thing even sadder again it was just yeah there was layers and layers you know you think you'd gotten to the end of feeling bad and then you're like oh you feel even worse underneath it you kind of you got to get an insight into all of that pain that Rilla was in again without like it being an oh poor me kind of thing you just got you kind of got that feeling beamed into your head a little yeah yeah I guess I remember thinking about the play that they did so like the play from the excerpt earlier on like their dad wrote that and like yeah the only way to break the curse is to get a girl to love you um, and if she told the princess who she really was she wouldn't be able to break the curse and she and also at the end of it like the princess might not love her and she has to play that role and play it perfectly and the thing is that kind of is her role in real life but the fact is she the only way that she can play the role in the play is to kind of act the aegis and have everybody laugh at her, be be a fool. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, like. I thought it was funny when our Torben fell off. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there was some, like, gorgeous symbolism stuff going on, though. Like, yeah, need, we were talking about this earlier, needing to teach the cat to walk in parabola. So, yeah, at, at some stage, one of um, Rilla's aunties gives her a cat that's had, like, a stroke or something. And he can't walk straight. He can't see uh, where he needs to go. Everything is kind of shifted um, to the left so he can't get to his food and stuff. Um, so, yeah, he can't walk in a straight line. So the idea comes up, not from Rilla, but from the people around her, to try to teach the cat to walk in a parabola um, to get to what he needs. Like in some cases, yeah, he can't see it. He needs to he needs to figure out a way to to get to the actual place because what he's looking at isn't real. And I mean, as far as a metaphor for self-destructive behavior, that's kind of as good as it gets. <laughs> Oh, look at me. I'm Saoirse. I know what a parabola is. You know what a parabola is, Chloe. Like, I know, but, like, don't be spreading that round. I have an image to look after, okay? <laughs> image. <laughs> but, like, there were, there were, like, ten different times in the book when I made the notes. Going back to notes. Like, yeah, wrote down, this is love. And, like, yeah, ten different times. I just wrote those words. And, like, those were just the ones I copped. You know, like, there were definitely more. For example... What, like Rilla and Simon having sex in the toilet at that restaurant? Interestingly, yes. What did you do to Saoirse, Chloe? Uh, you're the one reading the smuff fanfics on Instagram, Katie. I am not. Stop saying that. You tagged me in a comment you posted 45 seconds after the fic was put up, Katie. You're going you're gonna to sit there. You're going to sit there right now and tell me. You're going to lie down your phone to me, your friend, that you don't have post notifications set up is that what you're saying right now that you are not nullified when them smuts go up I don't is that what you're saying see how this is helpful in is that what you're saying Katie Moore fine 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 okay fine yes I have post notifications set up on some smut fic accounts okay are you happy they're just the good ones they're just the ones I really like okay oh yeah you've 
You've got to have standards. I, I know you're being sarcastic right now, man, but I am choosing to be the bigger person and ignoring but that. But what I was saying... Oh, she... <laughs> oh, my God, Sarah, she fears in the hands. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> sorry, Sarah, you go on. Hi. I sorry, I sorry. No, that's okay, Chloe. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, so, no, like, there are two big love stories in the book, I think. Like, there's Rilla and Simon, obviously. But... There's Rilla and Rose and like both of them, both of the love stories are based around understanding Rilla, like not judging her. Like all the most wonderful moments with Simon are when Rilla is just being herself, when she's caught unawares and is upset or gets angry or scared out of nowhere. And Simon is just like he's not even just there or listening or anything. He's like... Like, it would be one thing if he was just listening and not saying anything. That's awesome in its own right. But he's he goes one step further. He's, like, interested in what she's thinking and feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd really agree with that. Like, yeah, it was, it was that was pretty romantic and, like, kind of, like, hot at the same time that he just, like, plain ass liked her. He just really, 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 really liked her and he, like, couldn't get enough of her. Like, he he wasn't some, like, Hugh Granty nice guy falling all over himself. Oh my God, I have never been so relieved in my whole life. Like, I genuinely thought he was going to be and, like, I'm pretty sure that's 100% just because his name was Simon. A hard same. <clears throat> right? And then, like, then all of a sudden, like, he shows up to that date in his short and jeans combo looking like an actual three-course meal with an Irish coffee afterwards. <laughs> I mean, I just cannot. <laughs> Why are you so thirsty, man? Why? Six months on lockdown, Katie. Okay? Six months. All right? Lockdown. Okay? <laughs> Chloe, single. <laughs> Nothing happening. Lockdown. Six months. Can't handle it. <laughs> okay. All right, man. <laughs> like, I do hear you, though, about the Rose thing, too. Like, that's... That's the thing that really misses most about Rose is like it's how accepting she was and how she didn't want Rilla to get hurt like ever really. Yeah, like it was a real thing that like Rose wouldn't know what to do and like not having her there had this huge like gap or like yeah like this hole in Rilla's life where like yeah someone would have like had her back. Yeah, but like at the same time like you don't need people for like that. Like, not really. Well, I mean, you do and you don't, I think. Like, what's that line Professor Grundy had? Love, yeah, love is about accepting that you're different. Because, like, when you accept that, you can accept that someone would want to be with you enough to, like, be with you forever. Like, if you can't accept that you're different, it wouldn't make sense that someone would want to be with you. It, it kind of sounds like a kind of nicer way to say that... You, you, you know the way people say you know you have to love yourself before you can love someone else it's kind of I just read it and thought it was like a a better way to say that yeah because yeah I hate that idea like you have to pass a loving people test before you get your license to love someone yeah and like your test is loving the worst most annoying person there could possibly ever be <laughs> right no you guys oh my god that's horrible that's not what I meant exactly to- you know I mean you just you cannot stop us loving ourselves am I right Katie can stop me loving myself <laughs> oh 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 Okay. You learned the Korean lyrics. Yeah. Your point then? It's like, I'm so confused right now. We were just telling Kleena 
through the medium of song. Uh, beautifully, I might add. Yes, beautifully. Thank you, Katie. No problem, my friend. <laughs> Under no circumstances do we want her to change. Like, Clina, I have grown quite attached to your bogger charm. And I mean, I would be like very upset if you start being like played by, I don't know, Alec Baldwin or something. Yeah. That'd be cool though. Like it would, Katie, that is very true. But I mean, what would it do to the group dynamic to have Sersha trying to bang Kleena constantly? I mean, I personally wouldn't have a problem with that. But like, can we all agree that Alec Baldwin like is pretty hot though? Oh, oh man. Jesus. <laughs> oh, so old. He's so old. Um, okay, we're obviously not going to get back to the book. Can we, can we talk Easter eggs? Can we, yeah, what, what, we want people to read this book. What should they be looking out for, you guys? Um, well, there was, there was this massive attack poster of, you know, that track, Unfinished Sympathy. Um, yeah, my mom used to listen to that song. Oh, clean. Yeah, yeah, it's a good song. Worth listening to. Kay, what do you think? Uh, kind of feels a bit... Yeah, I don't know, after a meaningful one like that. But like, yeah, American politics, Simon Cowell and LucasAid, man. That's... <laughs> I don't want people to be on the lookout for. <laughs> you know, I read that line and I knew, like, I fully knew you were going to pick it. <laughs> we are one, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sersh? Oh, the handful of pebbles. I mean, hands down. Aha, oh, here. That's such a serious <laughs> thing to pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Um, and uh, yeah, Clo-Clo. Oh, here. Them passports. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. There is a standard we have to get to the airport to tell them we love them scene in this book. Which, you know, is always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for me, oh, yes. I think there's a pair of grey wings in someone's hair. So, like, grey streaks. Which are beautifully named <laughs> so you know nice. keep an eye out for those. yeah <laughs> but like I sort of feel like we didn't get a chance to like really like talk about this book properly know, it right? is so enjoyable it is so good there's so much in there like you're genuinely part of these characters lives for the length of time that you're reading the book like for real like, seriously like it's just oh man it's just you should read it you guys for real please anyone listening just just read it and if you if you already have read it again, oh my god, we should read it again, like straight away, right now. No, no, we're gonna get to why we're not gonna do that in a second. So, so yes, Amita Murray's The Trouble with Rose is available on Kindle and at all good booksellers. As always, please do your best to shop at independent booksellers, especially now that folks are like locked down and you know in need of presents from the lovely post people that keep delivering stuff we've forgotten we've ordered. Like 15 bikinis is too many bikinis, man. Okay, do you know what? I'm giving you the tote bag that I make out in for Christmas. How do you like that, bitch? <laughs> okay. If it's, if it's, even if it's like aggressive gift giving, it's still gift giving. There's still love there. Um, but yes, the reason why we will not be reading uh, The Trouble with Rose immediately, we'll be rereading it shortly, but not straight away. Um, the reason for that is... Um, in two weeks time we will be doing our next book continuing on our series on writers of colour with Queenie by Candace Carty Williams a um, lot of buzz about that book over the last year two years I can't remember anyway um, we're going to be reading that very exciting but um that's that's it for this week's Chicklet for Life. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been a little chaotic today way too much Korean nipple talk no, um, there wasn't there wasn't enough 
we'll talk to you guys all in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, stay hydrated, uh, be nice to each other, wash your hands, wear your mask, like and subscribe to the podcast and um, let us know what um, Chloe should and shouldn't do this weekend when she's attending BTS's live concert um, for Map of the Soul 7. Oh my God, it's going to be so good. She is not going to flash them over her phone. That's no, kind of no. why we arranged for her not to be shown on the screens over there. There's more to come on that. We'll, we'll, we'll post about I it online. I don't have an army Thank you all bomb. for listening. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. If anybody wants to buy me an army bomb and send it, I will be very grateful. Please no, do that. Nobody send Chloe an army bomb. She doesn't need it. I, on the other hand. Shut up, Katie. Stop fighting. I'm turning off the recording. And we're back. Here at Dodoy, we've got a very special episode lined up for you guys on the anti-mask protests taking place in Dublin over the last number of weeks. What do our fellow students have to say on this topic? No, it's like so embarrassing. I have to like wear my mask and all because I have to take the bus and everything. But then like I have to hide my masks in like my socks because my dad thinks that the government is putting mind control serum in in the masks. So he keeps finding them and like burning them in the sink, which is like super shit like because then the sink's all black and everything. And and sometimes there are spoons in there and then there's no spoons for for like cereal and everything no like i had a huge spot on my lip and my mom made me take my mask off before we went to tesco and i saw liam in there and i know he knew it was me even though i wasn't like half as cute as i am on snapchat and i can't believe she's ruined my chances with him plus we're definitely gonna get coronavirus now like someone at my dad's work said that they didn't realize how big my dad's nose was until he started wearing a mask and now he refuses to use it and like is reading up on QAnon and like I'm pretty sure my mom is going to leave him now. So like, thanks COVID-19, you're, you're really making this year just the best ever. No, like all of those calls were real. All of them. And, and like there, there were more than that. So, you know, you gotta tune in. Didoy Thursdays.